The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. If you are with us for the first time today, or if you are with us for the first time in a long time, then uh, we're certainly glad to have you here with us, but you are kind of coming in at the end, because for the last four weeks, we have been in a series talking about this idea of having a place to belong and what that means for all of us. And as we've been in this room each week, we have been talking together, and we have been reading together, and we've been jumping into God's Word together. And hopefully, hopefully, each of you have also been praying that you've been praying about what this means for you personally, what this means for our church as we work together to create places for every single person to belong. Because prayer is absolutely, prayer is absolutely essential to everything that we've talked about through the course of this series. Because like we said in the very first week, we know, we know that what it is that we want to see God actually do in and through us as a group of people, we know that we can't make these things happen. We can't program relationships. We can't program compassion. We, we can't program acceptance. We especially, we especially can't program heart change. That, that God has to be the one that does all of those things. And that's why prayer is absolutely central to everything that we're talking about in the course of this series. And as a church... As a church, we really are. We are fully committed to this idea of creating places for people to belong where they can actually grow, where you can grow both in your faith but also in relationship with each other. And this is, this is tough, I'll be honest with you. This is no small challenge because what it is that we are hoping to do, what it is that we are attempting to do, and what it is that we're asking God to do in and through us as a people is to create entry points for people who are exploring the idea of faith and who are also returning back to their faith, maybe after being gone for a, a long, long time. But at the very same time, for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, for us to grow in our faith as well by actually helping to nurture and to disciple those people who are uh, around us. And so this is no small challenge, no small challenge at all. And, and like I said to you last week, you know, my prayer for us as a church, and I think your prayer for us as a church, goes way beyond just simply having people attend, right? I mean, attending is good, right? We're all, we're all for attending. But what I want, and I think what you really want, is to actually see people attach and belong as well because... Because we want to be a community of people who are following Jesus, who are in community and actually creating community for each other. And that is no small task. Because in many ways, in many ways, it actually goes against what's easy. It goes against what's comfortable. And so that is always a challenge for us as people. And being a follower of Jesus, it simply means that you are a person who takes the teachings of Jesus seriously and you actually want to know more about what it is that Jesus teaches. And so you, you may put yourself on that spectrum and call yourself sold out, or maybe you're over here and you would say that you are somewhat skeptical when it comes to the teachings of Jesus, or you are somewhere in between. But regardless of that, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who takes the teachings of Jesus seriously, we want to be a community of people who are at all different levels of faith, all different levels of spiritual maturity, all coming together and growing together helping each other to actually have a place to belong and actually get connected and actually to be with people who are going to know us, people who are going to accept us for who it is that we really are. 
But like we've said each of these weeks, that who are also willing to love us enough to not just simply leave us the way that they found us, the way that we were. And so that's what we're talking about throughout the course of this series. And in the last couple of weeks especially, we've talked about this idea of being, you know, face-to-face as opposed to only being shoulder-to-shoulder. Now, being shoulder-to-shoulder is great. I'm all for being shoulder-to-shoulder, right? Shoulder-to-shoulder is where we get to sing together. Shoulder-to-shoulder is where we get to worship together. Shoulder-to-shoulder is where we get to celebrate communion together, like we will later on today. And, of course, of course, shoulder-to-shoulder is where we get to take the offering together. So I am all for being shoulder-to-shoulder, right? But, but at the same time, there are also things that happen better when we're face-to-face, And belonging is certainly one of those things. And having a place and feeling like there's a a place, a community of people who actually know me and who accept me and who love me, that always happens better when we are face-to-face. Guys, that's why I kind of poked at you a little bit last week. Because as men, we naturally tend to resist those times where we are face-to-face with each other. We naturally tend to resist those kinds of interactions. But face-to-face, that's where we actually open God's Word together. It's where we can say things like, you know, this is tough. This is difficult for me. I'm not sure I buy this. Or, or, or you know what, I, I've never read this before this way. I've never understood it this way before. I, I, I've never experienced this in, in my life before. Face-to-face is where you can look at each other and say, hey, does anybody have any clue what Joe was actually trying to talk about last week? You can actually say that when you're face-to-face. But most importantly, most importantly, face-to-face is where we actually get the chance to pray for one another. In fact, church, the best understanding of what church is supposed to be is one another, one anothering each other. That the church is loving one another. The church is forgiving one another. The church is encouraging one another. The church is carrying each other's burdens. That the church is actually growing together. And we want to see every single person, we want to see every single person grow in a way that can never happen exclusively shoulder to shoulder, but also happens face to face as well. Parents, that's why right now your kids are meeting here someplace and they're meeting face to face in a small group. And as parents, we also want to help you. We want to help you actually have a face-to-face spiritual conversation with your kids as well. And so that's why every weekend starting today, we're going to give you a cue to help you do that. We're going to give you that cue to help you have a face-to-face spiritual conversation with your kids. Now, hopefully you were with us two weeks ago, and hopefully you have already downloaded the Parent Cue app. And if not, here's your opportunity to do just that as we watch this short video. From the day your child is born to the day they graduate, you have 936 weeks. 936 weeks of soccer practice and homework, and teaching them to use deodorant. 936 weeks to instill values, to build character, and to prepare them to face the world. You want to be a great parent, and we're here to help with each moment of parenting goal. Driving your fourth grader to practice. Saying goodbye to your 10th grader as he's walking out the door. Eating tacos in the kitchen with your 7th grader. Tucking your toddler in at night. These moments happen every week, and we want you to be aware of the time you have left. Because when you are, you do more with the time you have now. We cue you with easy, just-in-time ideas of things to say, things to do, and things to think about to connect with the heart of your child. 
Our cues are grounded in God's big story, so your child can discover the power of faith in those everyday moments of life. Every cue fits the context of your child's developmental phase. We cue you when your high schooler won't leave their room, your middle schooler won't pick up their clothes, your two-year-old won't stop talking. We help you understand these moments, and we help you connect. You only have 936 weeks. You can't afford to waste them. Parent Q, it's what we do. Download it for free today. So two weeks ago, I downloaded the ParentQ app on my phone. I set it up for my kids, and so now every single week when I open this thing up, I get to have a little bit of a panic attack because it reminds me that there are only 96 weeks left until my youngest son actually graduates from high school, which is unbelievable to me. But there's actually a huge stewardship principle that's at work here because for all of us, for all of us, whenever we feel like we have more of something than we actually need, we always tend to kind of waste it a little bit, don't we? And see, that's true for money, but it's also, it's also true for time. And as a parent, it can be really easy to hear 936 weeks and think, I have more than enough time, but there is always, there's almost always so much going on that every single moment, every single week is precious. And we want to help you as parents do the most difficult thing that you will ever do in the course of your life, and that is to actually raise another human being. And also to nurture in them the faith that the Holy Spirit has placed into their heart. So that faith grows into a deep faith, a solid faith, a faith that is an anchor for them throughout the course of their entire life. So that when they get into those rough seas in middle school and in high school, they don't drift too far. And if you're a person who kind of drifted out of church as you were growing up, then I want to invite you. I want, you to actually, I want to invite you to actually come and join us as we create a new mindset for children, a new mindset for students and for teenagers who are learning every single week that Jesus really is their Savior and that Jesus' church is the hope of the world and that being a part of that is actually something to look forward to and not something to have to try to resist every single week. Because face-to-face, it's not just a kid thing, it's not just an adult thing, it is an everybody thing. In fact, face-to-face is even for those of us who maybe aren't quite sure that we are followers of Jesus yet. In fact, I want to share with you something that someone who isn't Jesus said that you actually believe, that you agree with, and that you've experienced in life. Solomon who, if you were with us last week, Solomon, who was the son of King David, and Solomon, who became the third king of the nation of Israel, and Solomon, who actually wrote three books of our Bible, he said something that you believe and you have experienced in in your life, and in fact, it might sound a little bit like common sense to you, and yet the truth is, it's something that's not nearly as common in our world as it should be. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you're using one of the Bibles in front of you, You can find this on page 1039, and it's in verse 9 of chapter 4 that Solomon says this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And so basically Solomon says, this is the reason why you don't want to ever have to rake the leaves by yourself at your house, right? This is basically what Solomon is explaining to us. He goes on and he says this, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man, pity the person who falls 
and has no one to help them up. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen someone fall financially and there was no one there to help them up? Have you ever seen a couple fall in their marriage and there was nobody there other than family, perhaps, who was able to help them up? Have you ever seen someone fall with an illness, maybe between a husband and a wife, maybe between parents and a child? And there was no one there, no one other than family, to actually help them up once they had fallen. Have you ever seen someone fall morally? And so a husband is left pleading, a wife is left pleading because there's no one there other than family who is actually able to help them up. See, here's the question that I've asked you in some way, shape, or form in in every single week that we've been together in this series. If you were in a situation like that, who is it that has permission? Who is it that has access to ask? Who is it that isn't going to just accept, you know, I'm fine or we're fine as an answer? Because Solomon says, Solomon says, pity the person who falls and has no one, no one to help them up. And I want you to notice something about what Solomon says to us here. Notice this isn't about fault, is it? This isn't about fault. This is a little bit, if you were with us last week, this is maybe a a little bit different take than what it is that we read last week. This isn't that somebody did something wrong. No, this is just that life happened, right? Something just happened. If someone falls and there's no one there to help them up. And then he continues with verse 12, and he says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Another translation I read earlier this week changes that word from overpowered, and they actually translate it as overwhelmed, which I think for our context and the way that we're talking today, I think that's actually a much better translation. Though one may be overwhelmed, two can defend themselves. Because at some point in life, at some point in your life, at some point in my life, because of a season of life, because of circumstances of life, we will feel, Solomon says, as if we are overwhelmed. And when we are in those overwhelming seasons of life, we will handle them better, Solomon tells us, if there is someone there to bring Jesus to us in the midst of those overwhelming circumstances. Now, the truth is, I didn't need to tell you that today, did I? You kind of know that already, I think. But then he continues and he says this, probably a very familiar phrase. You probably heard this in a wedding at some point. He goes on and he says, A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. 
Now, one of the things that I have observed in my life after being in a bunch of different small groups, a bunch of different ministry groups, whether it was in student ministry world or later on as a pastor, in every single one of those groups, as I was thinking about this, I think in every single one of those groups it was safe to say that there was always at least one person and many times more than one person in those groups who had a broken heart. But I don't think I have ever met another individual in one of those groups who is genuinely in an authentic, functioning community group whose broken heart left them completely broken down. And Solomon says, pity the person who falls, who has no one to help them up. Because what Solomon tells us is something that every single one of us know, that at some point, We all need some somebodies in our lives because of either decisions we've made or decisions other people have made or simply because of what happens in life in this world. In fact, here's something that Jesus actually said. Something that whether or not you would consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, here's something that Jesus said that, again, I think you already know and you already believe that this is true. Jesus said this to us in Matthew chapter 18, in verse 7, Jesus says this, It is inevitable, inevitable, that stumbling blocks should come. But woe to that person, woe to that man, it says, through whom they come. And so try to picture this, if you will. Jesus is sitting there, and he's looking at his followers, his disciples, the people who he loves the most, the people he cares about the most, the people he has spent the last three years of his life with, and he looks at them in the eye, and he tells them, it is inevitable that things are going to come into your life in this world that will cause you to stumble, maybe even to fall. And again, the reason why, right? The reason why you stumble over something is because you don't see it. If you saw it, you'd never stumble over it, would you? And yet Jesus says it is inevitable. This is going to happen, Jesus is saying. This is going to happen to all of us, regardless of how long you personally have been following Jesus, regardless of how long your family has been following Jesus. Regardless of how long your kids have been following Jesus, Jesus actually tells us it is impossible to live in life in this sin-filled, broken world without at some point something being thrown at us that has the potential or that will cause us to stumble. Now this word that we translate as stumbling block, The literal meaning of this word is actually a trap or a snare. But in the text, Jesus is using it figuratively. And he's using it to describe those those things, those people, those relationships, those circumstances of life that kind of surprise us or, or blindside us a bit. Things that we don't see coming that have the potential to make us stumble. And listen, when you stumble, when that happens, the very next thing you know, something also begins to happen in your heart as well, doesn't it? Because oftentimes when we find ourselves stumbling, that's also when we begin to question 
our relationship with God. It's where we begin to question our intimacy with God. It's where we begin to question whether or not God loves us or cares about us. It's when we begin to question even our connection to the church. And the real problem is that as mature as you are spiritually, as long as you have been following Jesus, as, 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 as strong of a, a follower of Jesus as you would think of yourself as, in spite of all those things, Jesus actually tells us that at some point these stumbling blocks, they are going to come into our lives, whether we like it or not. And the truth is, this is kind of where every single one of us could raise our own hand, couldn't we, and tell a story about times in our life personally where something kind of tripped us up, where something happened and it caused us to stumble. For some of us, it was an idea, wasn't it? It was a thought. It was maybe new information, maybe something you'd never heard before, maybe a worldview that you'd never been exposed to before, something you heard in college, something a professor taught you that your parents and your friends, they had no answer for. And because they had no answer for it, it kind of caused you to stumble, maybe even to fall, fall out of faith, fall out of belief, fall out of church. But see, for most of us, the truth is, it's not ideas that we stumble over, is it? It's actually people. It's relationships that we have. It's friendships that we have. It's people who have values that are different than the values that we have. And the things that, that were different between them and us, you know, they, at first they didn't really seem to, to bother us. And over time, you know, we realized it didn't bother them. And so eventually it didn't bother us as well either. And because it didn't bother us anymore, the next thing you know, you just kind of stumbled out of faith or you stumbled out of your relationship with God or you stumbled out of church or, or maybe all of it. Maybe you just stumbled out of all of it. Some of you, if you're really honest right now, this is the situation that you're in. You are in a relationship with someone or you're thinking about being in a relationship with someone who isn't here right now. Someone who doesn't share your values and your beliefs about Jesus and about church. And see, the truth is, they're the stumbling block, aren't they? Because you always thought of yourself as being that person. I'll always have a relationship with Jesus. I will always have a personal relationship with God. I, I like being a part of church. I like going to church. My faith is important to me. I'm never, I'm never going to give that up. I'm never going to let something take that away from me. In the same way, difficult times. I mean, hard times really hard times, they can certainly be a stumbling block, can't they? I mean, hard times, they kind of take your breath away spiritually and they make us question God. They make us say things like, why God? God, don't you care about me? Or, or maybe God, you just don't know. Maybe you don't care and you don't know. God, why is it that, that my life was relatively easy and straightforward and, and now all of this is happening to me? God, why is it that I'm going to church more than I've ever gone to church in my life? I'm reading my Bible more than I've ever read my Bible and my life seems to be getting worse, not better. I mean, stumbling, difficult times can certainly be a stumbling block for all of us. 
And notice in this text, I mean, Jesus, he doesn't answer the question of why in this text, does he? He doesn't even tell us about all the different types of stumbling blocks that we could possibly experience in this life. That's not what he does in this text. He just simply says that it is impossible for you, it is impossible for me to actually get through life in this sin-filled and broken world without something being thrown at us that has the potential or that will cause us to stumble. Now, I don't think I have to try to convince you of that, do I? But let me just ask the question. Because listen, this is one of those things. This is one of those things that even though it is incredibly important, the truth is many times we never stop to actually think about. And so let me just ask you, do you think, do you think that there is something that could be thrown in front of you into your life that has the potential or that will cause you to stumble? Because in this text, Jesus himself is saying to us that this is going to happen in your life and in my life. Let's close in prayer and go home. Here's the reason why. Okay, here's the reason why I'm sharing this wonderfully happy thought with you today. Okay? Because listen. Listen. People cannot see God. People can't see Jesus. People cannot see the Holy Spirit. But people can see people who follow God, who follow Jesus, and people who are actually led by the Holy Spirit, and people, they can see the church. See, this is why. This is why this is so incredibly important. It is very, very easy. It is so incredibly easy to actually stumble out of faith when it is nothing but shoulder to shoulder. It's even easy to stumble out of belief and reading your Bible every day and praying every day when it's only on your own. If it wasn't so easy, you wouldn't have to hear me keep talking about it, would you? It's even easy to stumble out of your relationship with Jesus when it's just you all by yourself. But listen, it is hard. It is very, very hard to actually stumble out of real relationships and true community when you actually have a place where you feel as though you belong. This is why this is so incredibly important for all of us, and this is why I want this so much for each of you and why I want this for our church. And listen, throughout this series, over these last several weeks together, I've had the opportunity to share with you some of the things that I actually pray for you for, some of the things that I want for our church, some of the things that I pray about for us collectively and individually. But let me just take a moment and kind of tell you some of the things that actually break my heart as well. Because one of the things that breaks my heart is what happens actually pretty often. And we get a phone call from the church, and somebody's on the other end of the line, and they say, listen, I need some help. I need some help with my teenager. I need some help with my wife. I I need some help 
with my husband. And so somebody calls the church, and they're looking for help for this person who they love, this person who absolutely means the, the world to them, but who is making some very, very bad decisions that have some incredibly dangerous consequences, just like we talked about last week. And so I'm on the telephone talking to another person, and they're telling me about the situation that they're in, and they're pleading with me for someone from the church to come and help them. And invariably, in that, when that situation happens, the question that I always ask is always the same thing. It's always, who else at the church are they connected to? And see, many times when I ask that question, the phone goes silent. And invariably, when that happens, the response that I eventually get back is no one. No one. They are not connected to anyone. Because, see, if they were, they would not be calling the church, would they? Because, see, the real church, the the real church is not somebody who is sitting in an office someplace. The real church And again, don't get me wrong, I absolutely and we absolutely welcome every single one of those calls. We really do. But here's the problem with that. See, the office church, what we can do when you're in that situation, we can express concern and we can express compassion immediately. But when you're in that situation, what you need most is actually community, not simply concern and compassion, what you need most is a place to belong. And and, and hear me on this. Hear me on this. In many ways, that's why in many ways, having a place to belong and having that sense of community, it is very much like retirement savings, okay? It's one of those things, if you have not planned for it and prepared for it along the way, it will not be there for you when you actually need it. And see, what breaks my heart is not only the tragedy that a person or a family is going through and what it is that they are experiencing in their life, but it's also knowing that there is no one who is there relationally to actually help them up now that they've fallen. And so I do, I do. I want every single one of you actually connected to a group of people who know you, who love you, and who will, who will accept you for who you really are and who will continue to love you enough to not just leave you that way. I want that so badly for you. So that when you find yourself overwhelmed with the overwhelming circumstances of life, you will not be all alone. And again, and again, it's not like somehow being connected face-to-face with other followers of Jesus. It's not going to somehow prevent these bad things from happening, right? I mean, Jesus himself actually tells us that's not the case. It is, however, when these things do happen. See, the calls that we get, they're not then from some stranger who is pleading, you know, they're not from someone who is pleading for some stranger from the office church to somehow intervene in this situation. Instead, they're actually calls from people who are in their small group, people who are already gathering around this individual that's hurting, people who are already coming together to support them and to encourage them and to remind them that even though they are walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now, that God is still 
God that he is still good and he is still with them. And even though their heart might be breaking right now and even though their heart might be filled with all kinds of questions and fears and doubts, that Jesus is absolutely, positively for them. In fact, Jesus himself, Jesus himself tells us how significant this is, how powerful this is. When Jesus prayed for you, maybe you don't know that. Maybe you don't know that Jesus actually prayed for you. In John chapter 17, Jesus, we actually have this prayer that Jesus prayed. He says this, Jesus says, I I pray that all of them, that's you, All of them, that's us as followers of Jesus. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them. That's you. You have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus actually tells us that people who cannot see Jesus, they will know that Jesus loves them because they can see people who follow Jesus loving them. Some of the most incredible things that I've ever had the opportunity to experience in my life have been when I have actually gotten to see the church coming together, our church coming together to actually be the church in the life of another person. And if you know anything about my story personally and my family's story, then you know how incredibly significant this is for me. And you know how much I want this for every single one of you. But it really is having a place to belong is so much like retirement savings because you don't know exactly when you're going to need it. But when you need it, it really does need to be there. And that is why, that is why I'm hoping that in October, at the end of the month, that all of you, you're going to come to one of our small group connection events. It's why I want every single one of you, every week I've been telling you, go to the website, get on the app, click the connect button, fill out the form. Call your group. Start getting your group back together and meeting together. And I am telling you, if you don't know already, we have an amazing, amazing church. God has gifted us with a group of people in this place that are absolutely amazing. You are an amazing, incredible church, an incredible gift from God to this community and to the people who are here. And I promise we will do our best to be the church to you even if you are not connected, even if you are not involved in one of those groups. We will do our best to be the church to you. But listen, we may not know you. We'll visit you in the hospital. But we're going to have to make sure we've got your name straight before we walk in the door. We'll bring food to your home. But it might take us a little while to get there because we haven't actually been to your house before. And I promise, I promise, 
we will do our very best to absolutely be the church for you in your time of need, but we will never on our very best day be better than the face-to-face church that you actually have the opportunity to be connected with. People who know your name, people who know your kid's name, who know your past, who know your family, who know where your parents live, who know where you went to school, people who can come to you as a friend and be the hands and feet of Jesus. The office church we will never be that good. We were never intended to be that good. Because the real church, the real church is the church where you have the place to belong, a place to belong. That's the church God has called us to be. That's the church God has made us to be. That's the church that Jesus actually died for us to be. And that is the church that I want for every single one of us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. And Father, I thank you for your church. For the countless stories just amongst the people in this room. Of when life has happened when someone has stumbled, that there have been people to surround them and bring your presence and your truth, your grace and your forgiveness and your love into the midst of their overwhelming circumstance. And Father, I do pray that you would do in us and through us what we could never do on our own, and that is to show the world around us the love of your Son, Jesus so that people who are hurting and people who are lonely and people who are disconnected and isolated and struggling, that they would actually know that they have a Heavenly Father who loves them and who will be with them in their time of need. And Father, every single one of us, we know personally that so oftentimes we fail to actually be a reflection of your Son to the people around us, to our own family, to our own friends. And so, Father, we ask that in these next few moments that you would hear us as we personally and silently confess our sin to you. Heavenly Father, the amazing truth of the gospel is that while we were still sinners, that in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our depravity, that you actually sent your son Jesus into our life and into our world to give to us something that we do not or could not ever deserve or earn, and that is your grace and your love and your forgiveness in each one of our lives personally. And so, Father, we thank you for not only for that incredible gift of forgiveness that you have given to us, but, Father, we ask that you would continue to make us into a people who take the good news of that forgiveness and love out into a world that desperately needs to hear it. And so, each of you, you are truly forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.